Hello and happy Tuesday. Uh, I am sick as heck, but I have my water, I have my Mucinex, and I have my tea. So I'm going to get through this because I have some important things to share with you today. Today I want to talk about my favorite topic in the world. Sex. And partners, right? Um, Is having sex too early in a relationship going to dictate the longevity or the happiness of that relationship? Does it matter? You know, I'm of, I, I, I have been of the mindset that I feel like if you're meant to be with somebody, it won't matter if you have sex with them too early or, you know, you wait or you don't, you know. Um, I've never had um, the thought process that it was going to matter in the long run if you had sex with somebody too early. So I want to preface this episode that I'm very neutral on this and I'm just here to share what I've researched and what my theories are on this because either way I'm still very neutral on the matter I feel like there's no real rules that we can apply to this because every situation is unique and different and we really don't know how something is going to be and in my head I sound very congested so if you think I sound congested I, in my head, I sound just as congested. So let's get started. Some of the common issues um, that we tend to run into in dating is, you know, we've heard it time and time again from, well, mainly, I mean, I don't know if all of you, because we all have different parents, but from like old school adults. So people our parents age or our grandparents age regarding how dating is supposed to be, you know, it's easier said than done when it comes to trying to follow, you know, these rules that our elders have put in place to formulate a successful relationship, you know, but to do that, we have to break down the dynamics of how relationships were when, you know, our grandparents were young versus how they are currently. There's that long-standing debate on how dating is fundamentally impossible in current day as a single person, and how it's only projected to get worse with the swipe left, swipe right culture. You know, the easy access through social media and the idea of endless quote-unquote other options. Not to mention how, allegedly, (laughs) the dating pool only becomes worse as we age up. And this is a completely gender-neutral belief, by the way, because both men and women equally feel that the older they get, the more fucked they are if they're still single. Let's break down the dating culture of our elders, you know, our grandparents or our parents even. Typically, the way it would go is you, you meet somebody, they formally begin to court you. And for those of you that don't know what courting is, basically dating, right? They start taking you out. They start, you know showing you around and, you know, maybe, you know, you meet each other's family, whatever. You become public soon thereafter, especially if they're formally courting you, right? So your peers and your families know like, oh, 
they're going together, right? Sex typically is not part of the equation until marriage in this scenario. It is suspected that, you know, heavy panning may or may not have been a thing. But we all know our grandparents are going to go to, they're going to take that shit to the grave. They ain't saying shit, you know. But either way, it wasn't entirely common in the way that we currently view it. So, you know, our version of heavy, heavy petting is probably extremely different from theirs. You know, and typically, you know, at this juncture, it's very, like, candid. It's very serious, like, Mary Jane and... Jack are going to be like, you know what, I'm dating you because I have the intention of marriage. I want you to be my wife and or husband. So they're very, they were more candid and it was very obvious. It wasn't really something that many needed to talk about, but it was like a thing, right? It's like, if you're dating me, if you're courting me, if we're public, then the whole intention is like, you're planning on being my husband, right? Like you want to spend your life with me. And Right now, we have to look at how children were expected to grow up quickly and raise a family, you know. And for example, my grandmother was 16 when she met my grandfather. I think my grandfather's two years older than her. So he was like 17, 18. And, you know, they got married when my grandmother turned 20. So they were back and forth around that time. I'll, I'll have to, you know, tell you the full story about my grandparents because it's actually kind of funny. But, you know, they they basically got married soon after they, they became official. Like, it was like, I'm 20, I'm an older gal, like, if you want to go with me, then you better marry me. And that was kind of the expectation set from my grandmother to my grandfather. My grandfather was like, damn, I love this woman. I need, me to, I, need, I need to keep this woman in my life. So they got married. Still married. Still happily, you know, exploring each other's likes and dislikes. Hilarious couple. Now. Let's shift over and look at how we date now, right? You meet somebody, maybe you go on one, two dates. Three is like, oh my God, things are starting to heat up, right? And then usually, not always, but usually in between that one, two, three dates, sex becomes a thing. You guys end up fucking each other. And who who can blame you? Because, you know, you have chemistry with somebody, you're just like, I would like to you know, jump on it, ride that pony, right? And again, nothing wrong with that. Nothing is usually defined in these situations. So it's not like after you have sex, you're like, okay, this person's my boyfriend and or girlfriend. So after sex happens, it's just like, eh, what are we? And the thought process is like, we're not going to put a label on it. No labels. You know, I'm trying to keep everything cavalier. I don't really know what I want sometimes, you know, every situation is different. I'm kind of joking when I say that. Um, but you know, nothing is typically defined in this case. You know, I don't think I've ever heard of a situationship where, you know, sex happens for the first time with somebody and then immediately the, the relationship is defined like, oh yeah, we had sex. So now you're my girlfriend or now you're my boyfriend. And from there, things either proceed and evolve into a relationship or it ends and you go your separate ways. So it's simple, but not because, you know, we're dealing with chemicals and emotion in the brain. And I'll go, I'll get to that. I mean, can anybody really spot the difference here? Question mark, question mark. You know, I've talked to a lot of people my parents' age who do genuinely believe that 
when people have sex too early in the discovery phase that it becomes the issue. The fact that, you know, our generation or my generation jumps into sexually gratifying activities too quickly can, you know, it could be a problem, right? You know, based on the successfulness of relationships. And again, this is a case-by-case basis. It's not the same for everybody. In an article by the Institute of Family Studies, two different studies were published mentioning that statistically, the longer a couple waits to have sex, the more successful a relationship is long-term after marriage. You know, the first study was done around 2010 by the American Psychology Psychological Association's Journal of Family Psychology. And it involved a sample of around 2,000 and some change married individuals who participated in an online couple assessment. They found that the longer a dating couple waited to have sex, the better their relationship is after marriage. So this was done off of a study, a controlled study of 2,000 married individuals. In fact, couples who waited until marriage they found to have sex report a higher relationship satisfaction around 20% higher. Better communication patterns, around 12% better. And less consideration of divorce, 22% lower. And better sexual quality, about 15% better than those who started having sex early in their dating. For couples in between, you know, those, those numbers, you know, those who became sexually involved a little bit later in dating, so not at the very beginning and not, you know, at, mar- at the marriage stage, right? They still had benefits, right? But they were just half as strong. And, you know, this was, you know, the, the effects of compatibility or restraint, the effects of sexual timing on marriage and relationships. Later, you know, because I mentioned they posted two studies. They had two different studies. A secondary study was done by Sharon Sassler and her colleagues at Cornell University. They also found that the rapid sexual involvement had adverse long-term implications for relationship quality. They used some data from the Marital and Relationship Survey, which provided information on around 600 low to moderate income couples living with minor children, And the study examined the tempo of sexual intimacy and subsequent relationship quality in a sample of married and cohabitating men and women. Their analysis suggested that the delaying of sexual involvement is associated with a higher relationship quality across several dimensions. They also discovered that the negative association between sexual timing and relationship quality is largely driven by a link between early sex and cohabitation specifically sexual involvement early in the romantic relationship is associated with an increase in likelihood of moving, you know, too quickly and, you know, into living together, which in turn was associated with a lower relationship quality. You know, and this finding, you know, supported a different hypothesis of sexual involvement that led to unhealthy emotional entanglements that ended up, you know, showing that it made ending bad relationships more difficult. 
you know, Sassler and her colleagues concluded after the secondary study that adequate time is required for romantic relationships to develop in a healthy way, quote, unquote. Simply put, people, you have a better chance of making good decisions in dating when you have not become sexually involved with your dating partner. You know, I have a lot of different thoughts on this. This is just, you know, like I said, I'm neutral on the matter. I don't like to put rules or regulations on things. I like to go with the flow of how things are going. But I do think that hormones, the hormones that release when we have sex have a lot to do with this. You know, the happy hormone it could be as addictive as any on the drug market or on the market drug. On the market drug, on the drug market. <laughs> so it can be as addictive as, as any drug on the market, you know, that we take for pain or, you know, anything like that. More specifically, right, the, the hormones like the endorphins and the oxytocin that are released during sex, these specific chemicals, you know, from what I'm finding in research and others, other, other uh, readings, you know, reduce that logic when choosing a partner it's safe to say that well sex is amazing and sex is great i love sex when you're looking for a you know serious relationship with a long-lasting partner right you know trying to find somebody that's you know you want to be in your life for you know maybe longer than a few weeks or months it's important to actually look at the qualities of a person with a clear head and sex can kind of jumble that it's like putting on a rose lens so it's just like you know I'm speaking from a woman's perspective right it's just like man I love that dick and then you're just like not looking at anything beyond of the person you know like what's their humor like how do they talk to me how do we how are we when we spend time together when we're not having sex you know those are very important things to look at like what exactly do I like about this person you know, that's why it's typically suggested when you're, when you're actually dating and getting to know somebody, it's important to just get into situations with that person. Figure out like, yo, what do I like about this person, if anything at all? Now, I know a lot of you are very much opposed to this ideology of quote unquote waiting for sex, right? When you're really, especially when you're really feeling somebody. You know, I actually had this conversation with my aunt a few days ago. And she made a lot of solid points regarding the longevity of relationships. You know, I really don't think there, like I said, are any hard, hard, fast rules when it comes to dating. Because I really do believe that if a connection is meant to happen, the shit is going to happen. You know, um, am I one of those people that believe in the aspect of fate? Yes, I, I would say I believe in fate. You know, I'm a little bit superstitious. I believe in fate. However, though, it is worth mentioning that the chemicals in our brains and the effect that sex has on your brain can actually negatively impact the progression of the right types of relationships. You know, the actual relationships that we're seeking. If you're, if you're at the stage in which you're, you feel you're capable of seeking and keeping those types of relationships. You know, because I don't, I want to preface, I should have prefaced this, but, you know, before I said everything that I said, but I'm going to say it now. I don't think that sex is the enemy here. It's not the big bad villain that's keeping us from, you know, happy relationships. The sex isn't the problem. But I do think that it's kind of like, you know, 
inhaling a big pile of cocaine and like not seeing things correctly because you're you know you're you're on a high when you have sex with somebody it makes you feel good you have that rush of endorphins you have that oxytocin kind of fucking running through your your fucking brains and you're lifted like i feel like most of you know this song i guess we'll we'll see but you know that song sugar sugar right he's like sugar sugar how you get so fly you got me lifted higher than the ceiling ooh wee it's the ultimate feeling come on all right he's talking about that oxytocin <laughs> But I do think, you know, that, you know, trying to tackle why we're so willing to jump into sexual situations is worth looking at, right? When, you, when you're actually genuinely trying to get to know somebody. And I don't mean a situationship, all right? I have to, I have to say that, you know, plain and simple. I'm not talking about a situationship. I'm talking about a specific situation or, or sorry, a specific relationship that you are trying to find, Right? And you know what? Fuck it. If you're looking for a husband or a wife, then be straight up. It's just like, listen, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find daddy. Like I'm trying to find my wife. I'm trying to find the future mother of my children. You know, be honest about what it is that you want and fuck everything else. If somebody is going to make you feel weird for saying that, it's like, no, I'm trying to, I'm date, I'm trying to date seriously because I'm trying to see if like I can find the mother of my children, my future children or find the future father of my children you know it's and if somebody is like oh that's weird then it's just like okay then we're not meant for each other homie like and you just go there's a lot of fucking people in the world okay so try not to get too hung up on you know that kind of shit but you know my best guess for that fear right of getting to know somebody without jumping into sexual situations and I talked to my friend chicken tendies about this right when I told him like, yeah, you know, if I've had a problem with that where I like jump into sexual situations because it's uncomfortable to like actually get to know somebody and let them get to know me. So it's like it's 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 sometimes in hindsight, right? It it feels like it would be easier to get like to get to know somebody if the sex is already off the table. Like, okay, we've already tackled this huge like big thing that's causing anxiety of like Am I going to like you sexually or am I not? We got it off the table, so now we don't have to worry about it. So now you can get to know me for who I really am. But, you know, that kind of works against people in a lot of ways. So I feel like my, you know, that the the big thing, the big tamale, is that intimacy can be scary. You know, especially in this world where a large portion of us have crippling anxiety and depression. Letting someone get to know the intimate and uncomfortable parts of you is scary, right? Letting, like, my biggest thing when I was letting people get to know me is that, like, I get, like, terrible car sickness. Like, and I always joke around with people and I tell them, like, if you could put my car sickness in, like, a gun and shoot it at people, like, shoot, like, microwaves of my car sickness at somebody, like, it would be, a like, a crowd debilitator. You know, people wouldn't really be able to... <laughs> People wouldn't be able to function, all right? My, my car sickness would be like fucking weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> but, you know, when I say and when I mention intimacy, you know, I do not, and again, some of you might not know this, so I'm going to say it now. I do not mean fucking, all right, or having sex or heavy petting. I mean intimacy, eye contact, having very deep conversations, 
being slightly embarrassed around the person, you know, building certain moments in your life that are important. You know, we do this with friends and family. Like, I I remember, like, my most embarrassing moments with my best friend, right? And it only brought us cl- closer because now it's like, I don't fucking care if she knows that I have, like, debilitating car sickness. And if I get, like, you know, car sick around her and I'm, like, fucking dying in the back seat, right? Like, she already knows. It's not embarrassing for me anymore because of all the situations that I've been in with her. So that's the goal of any relationship. And this is with, you know, friends, family, and romantic partners or romantic interests. Letting them get to know you like you let your friends get to know you. I mean, last I checked, you're not letting your friends go down on you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what kind of friendships y'all have. But for me, personally, like, I don't remember the last time I was just like, hey, friend, would you like to give me oral sex? Like, <laughs> so I can get to know you better. So think about it. Think about, try to think about it in those terms. You know, when you're trying to get to know somebody, you know, obviously there's going to be some differences when you're getting to know somebody romantically, right? There's going to be some fundamental differences in that type of connection, right? But try to think of it as like as something along the lines of, you know, I want to get to know this person. I want to know what they are like in uncomfortable situations for them. I want to get to know what they are like in X, Y, and Z types of situations because I think that that's important, right? So try to see, try to see, you know, the exploration of relationships like that. The fact of the matter is, though, that none of us are perfect. And a lot of us have a lot of unresolved issues in our lives. And a lot of non-confronted things that typically come up when a new relationship comes hot to the table. I know I do. And I've slowly been realizing, especially this year, that a lot of, my, um, me personally, a lot of how I interact in relationships that are platonic, romantic, or familial are, you know, sometimes not the healthiest. You know, I can admit personally that it's been very difficult for me to simply be and remain authentically vulnerable without obsessing about everything that I might be doing wrong. This is due to a number of factors connected to childhood trauma and healthy introductions to items within my earlier stages of development. So recognizing and facing these items about yourself is a great way to start figuring out how you can reprogram yourself to create healthier relationships, you know, and how you interact with, you know, approaching those types of relationships. Again, it's important to realize, again, we are not perfect. We all have our own little secret battles on the side, our little side quests. Every year we develop and interact with new people and we grow and we learn more about ourselves and how we want these interactions to be. Relationships are beautiful things. I think people need people. It's amazing to create and cultivate and successfully retain healthy and loving relationships with friends, family, and a potential partner or partners, you know, depending on what you're into. When you feel like you're not alone in overwhelming situations, like you have a team in your corner to help you, It's very empowering. Asking for help, asking for advice, being open, being honest, remaining non-judgmental. It's a great practice. And consistently trying to keep and hold myself to the standard of, if it's not nice, don't say it at all. I know I slip sometimes and I say things out of like frustration or hurt. 
And that's something that I am consistently trying to bring myself out of because I realize that, you know, it's not nice. And especially when you say it to people that are important in your life, it can have a large impact. And I remember every specific incident that I've done that and I've regretted it. So that's why it's, you know, I'm consistently reminding everybody at the end of each episode, again, to be kind, not only to yourself, but to others. We all have circumstances. We all have ego. And sometimes we'll fuck up and we'll say mean things and we'll hurt people. And we feel when we feel hurt. You know, I know I spoke about this in earlier episodes about how forgiveness doesn't always mean you'll be perfectly okay and on a talking basis with somebody. That's okay. But moving on and learning your lesson on the weight of your words and actions, you know, is is great. You know, because we just don't live in a world where we can unring a bell or unsay some words. You know, sometimes life can be very messy. So try to remain patient with yourself. And try to see that every situation is a chance for you to learn and grow based on the outcome, right? And, you know, it'll teach you how you can heal from certain circumstances and move better to a better uh, state of thinking or an evolved state of thinking. I love you guys. Have an amazing week. Hopefully I don't get sicker. I know that my uh, congested ass you know, finally got through this episode. So I'm happy. <laughs> I will see you guys next week if I'm not dying of congested, congestion, congested, congester. <laughs> if I'm not dying of congestion next week, you know, I'll see you guys then because I'm on break. I mean, again, I'm sick of shit and hopefully it'll go away. But, you know, I, I'm just going to inhale tea and water. We'll see what happens. Maybe inject some vitamin C into my life. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye now.